You're listening to the Peacock and Williamson NFL Show, your daily podcast on the National Football League, powered by the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to the Peacock and Williamson NFL Show. We're going to send you off into the weekend talking about early down success rates in the NFL last year. What we can take away from offense and defense early down success rates. It's a Warren Sharp special. And Matt, I know you love Warren Sharp, and uh, I've been diving into his preseason book that he put out that is always super fun. And, and you know, when you when you can uh, lean on some really smart folks in the industry, it's it's super nice. And there's so many people doing great work right now in the industry. By the way, do you, there's been a lot of people that are especially film Twitter, like film Twitter is a really strong group of, you know, NFL film watchers yeah. on Twitter is a very strong group of people and they're rioting right now with the whole game pass thing. Do you, do you do the <laughs> NFL right. game pass? Because they're saying the all 22 angle is not going to be ready maybe at the beginning of the season. And uh, there, there's about, they're about to have a, a riot on their hands. It's down right now. And fortunately for me, I haven't needed it in a while. I'm, I'm very much in Steeler radio, uh, training camp mode. I've been on the air from eight to you know eleven thirty every day, getting up early, going to the station. Then I'm doing a night show tonight. So I have not been doing side projects around the league. I've just been doing that in this show basically. So I haven't needed it, but yeah, I mean, people are up in arms. I mean, you t- it's like well, it's like taking away their right arm for a day or two. Right, it be a it, lot longer than that. Right? And it's a ritual. Like I watch the game live when it happens. When I'm covering the 49ers, then I go back and watch every single snap in in the important snaps. You want that all 22 angle at least for some of oh. those, and you want to be able to break down what's happening with the game. And a lot of guys uh, have made their living really on ha- the ability to have Game Pass and have and have that angle to watch of of games that are happening. So um, that's an interesting one to keep an eye on there and do you have uh, any reason why i mean i know it's well, down and they haven't said why it's gonna be what you know when it's gonna be back up but i, I understand a lot of it because i just got an email that they were going to automatically renew and so that's what a lot of people are are yeah. referencing was their email and they were talking about it. but they're trying so the service has been kind of not great you know yes. so and we're not affiliated it is with a little the, hit or miss. yeah we're not affiliated with the nfl right now so i think we can we can you know uh call we, can, them out. We, we can call them out and call, like the service it's awesome that it exists but it could be a lot better, and I've had I've had problems like I couldn't log in on the mobile app, for example. I could only watch it on my desktop, even though you're supposed to be able to do it. So all last season, I could never just like jump on real quick and watch something if I wanted to on the mobile app. I had to only do it on desktop, and I talked to customer service, and they're like, "Yeah, I don't know, can't we can't get that to work? I have no idea why." So uh, I think in the end, it'll be a good thing because I think they're trying to revamp everything and make it more seamless. But I think some of the services available, like the first thing they need to get available is just to be able to watch the games and the broadcast so that's their first angle and then they're trying to tie it into all their other stuff so you can watch all their other shows and everything that happened uh, on nfl.com and, and some nfl network stuff so i think hopefully once they do get it done and then maybe it takes a few weeks i don't know if it's gonna be a month i hope it's not the whole season long once they get the all 22 back and get everything going hopefully it's a better overall service in the end i think that's the idea hopefully um <laughs> again we're not affiliated with them so i'm not going to call them out but I've always been unbelievably unimpressed with the NFL.com website. It's like the hardest website oh, in the world to find stuff. And I it can't makes no use sense it. To me. it there, there's a handful of websites. CBS is another one. If, if you have an auto, I never go to the one. Yeah. If you have an autoplay video, I, I can't use you because I can't go. And so you might hear it occasionally on the on the podcast where I'm trying to research something really quick or go check something out. I can't click on NFL.com because it will autoplay a video and it will play through my system and, and it'll end up on the podcast. And I, I just can't. I, I literally cannot look at your website if it's got an autoplay video. 
Yeah, I mean, it like Lance Erline does amazing work, but to find his write-ups on players yes. you know, before the draft is like impossible. I mean, it makes no sense to me. So I have six or seven websites I basically go to every day. CBS and NFL aren't one of them. And I respect some of their writers and some of their guys, but I just don't enjoy the site. And here's the other thing. Has anybody ever asked for autoplay videos? How does it help of your not, brand? Right? Nobody wants that. And even if it's like, I would understand if it had ads, but some of them don't right. have ads. It's just like all of a sudden, here's a random highlight that's not even related to the article <laughs> you're looking at. Why is that there? Right. Why is that there? It's just in my way. It's I just have to close it and so I can get to what I really want to do. Get exactly. out of the way. Yeah. It makes people leave your website. It's like a slow driver on the <laughs> streets. You know, like, get out of the way. So, Real quick, I want to talk about this because you've been uh, doing Steelers camp stuff and Steelers are the first team to play with the, the Hall of Fame game. That's less than a week away. I cannot believe that that's about to happen. Is, is there anything eventful happening in Steelers camp right now? Because it seems like around the league, camps are getting going slowly and most of the reports are like, oh, so-and-so quarterback had a great pass and a great catch over here, and then he bounced this pass, and that's kind of what we're getting right now. There's not a lot of takeaways because teams are ramping up, and you're not even allowed to put pads on for the first five practices. Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up because everyone in the world, rightfully so, is super excited that training camp is in full swing for all 32 teams. However, with the new CBA, the, as you mentioned, there's this early stretch that's kind of their version of conditioning. You're not allowed to do padded practices. So the Steelers and Cowboys are the Hall of Fame game. Both of them have a lot of inductees coming up this, this next week from now. So they're obvious choices. So they get an extra week to open camp a week earlier than everybody else. And to give you an idea of where your teams are at, if the Steelers opened a week before everybody else, as of today, Friday, they've had one padded practice. They're going to have their second one tonight. It's called Friday night lights. It's a late, you know, they do it at night and they bring a bunch of kids and stuff. And it's a cool event. So, you know, it doesn't happen quick. It's, it's a pretty uneventful beginning to camp for news and for real football and a lot of shells and shorts. And, you know, yesterday was the first time that they were, you know, or two days ago was the first time that they were hitting at all or tackling because, you know, that acclimation period. I'm sure the same is true for Dallas. And it's tough because I've seen, I see a lot of reports of, you know, so-and-so rookie or so-and-so young veteran player or whatever that, that hasn't really gotten any traction yet in the NFL. It's like, oh, man, this guy looks great. Watch out. Big-time stock up on this one player. But it's like, man, they're, they're not even in pads right now. And and that's, <laughs> so that's like how he's supposed to look because you're in shorts. He's like a little guy. There's um, uh, who's the, the, the 6'1", 6'2", tight end in – uh, in Indianapolis, uh, Kylan Grayson, is that his name? Yeah, yeah, yeah. he's so, kind of an H-back, yeah. maybe a use check, you and, know. And right. one of the beat reporters is like, okay, here, they found a guy here, and it's like, well, he's a 6'1 tight end, so let's see what happens <laughs> when he has to block a, a defensive end with pads on. So, you know, so those types of things, sometimes as a fan, you just got to realize, okay, well, let's pump the brakes here, let's give it some time, and, just, and when you've literally had two practices and maybe one guy had one bad day, you're not going to cut him. You know, he's not a lost cause already as a rookie because he had one bad practice out of two days. It's such a small sample. So um, this thing does ramp up slowly, and I know fans want to um, figure things out and know who's good, know who's not good, but it does take a little bit of time. It does. And last little nugget there, too, is any decent player, starter, someone that's going to play a lot of snaps, if they have a hangnail or a little tweak, they're not doing much either at this point. I mean, 
uh, I would think, not that I've been really critical of them, but I thought, man, the Steelers have this extra week. Get that O-line gelling together with all these new starters. No, they're going slow. I mean, I think that's what everybody's going to do, especially with that 17th game. Just get them all to the starting blocks. You know, just stay as healthy as possible in camp. I think we're going to see less and less usage of the top guys up until week one than ever. Right. And yeah, the 17th game and then now the the Steelers and Pack or the Steelers and Cowboys have that extra preseason game. Right. Nobody's going to be on the field, right? Like I can't imagine Dak's definitely not going to be on the field because he has the shoulder injury now too, but uh almost everybody who's remotely a veteran or even has a twinge of something wrong with them is probably not going to be on the field Thursday. Right. And, and kind of like camp the Hall of Fame game is about the most anticlimactic thing of the NFL season, too. You know, like, everyone's so excited. We're going to see live football. Wow, this is awesome. And then Thursday night at 8, both team ones, I'm putting that in air quotes, you hardly recognize a soul. And then by the second half, they're all future accountants and ditch diggers. Yeah, it's funny because you get so excited about it, you start watching it for a couple of series, and you're like, well... What else is on? Like, what else is happening <laughs> right. tonight? That's what Seinfeld, yeah. Uh, but, the, hey, the undrafted free agents love it. Oh, yeah. I mean, there's <laughs> the nerds love it, and the guys that are trying to make a name for themselves love it. And not having preseason football, I think, was a terrible thing and an, and an injustice to a lot of those type of guys. But, you know, the Hall of Fame game, if the Steelers aren't in it, sneaks up on me every year like oh wow the hall of fame games in two days and even it snuck up on you before the we were on the air you mentioned when's the hall of fame game I'm like it's less than a week away wow it sneaks up on you it's insane. oh i'm gonna throw it on that's eh, not that good but i love it that means things are getting close so uh yeah. give, give me give me all the preseason football and to be honest with you with all the rookie quarterbacks this year uh, i can't imagine i can't remember a time i was more excited to watch some preseason football games me too, I, especially not having it last year. I'm clamoring. Absolutely. All right, let's move on to early down success rates. And I, there's one more bit of news, actually, I want to talk about hmm. in the NFL next. Do you want 15% off your next order at Built.com? Well, listen up, and I'll tell you how you can get Tasty Treat, a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. Right now, I'm staring at a box of Built Bars that I built myself. You can mix and match Three flavors. I love the peanut butter. I also wanted to try some other flavors, so I went with toffee almond and one of the six new flavors, cookies and cream. 130 calories in the cookies and cream flavor. 17 grams of protein, only four grams of sugar. It is fantastic. Other new flavors like caramel brownie, cherry barcia, lemon almond cheesecake, carrot cake. Bars are covered in, this is the best part, 100% chocolate, not a brown-colored flavored chocolate, weird coating. It's legit chocolate. So get some yourself at 15% off with promo code LOCKED15. That's LOCKED15 for 15% off your next box of Built Bars at Built.com. Okay, Matt, it is now official. All rookies have now signed and are in training camp. Zach Wilson was the last one. He missed his first two days of practice. Robert Sala yesterday said, uh, well, that's two days too many for a rookie quarterback that we're trying to get ready. And there's no competition. The, the backup quarterback situation in New York with the Jets, I mean, it, it, there's Gardner Minshew in in Jacksonville. There's obviously Andy Dalton in Chicago, Cam Newton, and you know, then there's the Jimmy G, Trey Lance thing. Zach Wilson has zero competition <laughs> at zero. all to be the quarterback. He is the guy, and he missed the first two days of practice. Uh, he signed his rookie deal. He was on the field for practice Friday. 
they reports early. It's like the classic thing, like I just talked about. Talk about a small sample. Now we're talking about two, just two. A series of of plays at practice. Zach Wilson made a beautiful throw down the middle of the field, like a forty yard bomb to fellow rookie uh, Elijah Moore, and then looked awful on his next series. Threw an interception and, and was missing guys. And so there, there you go. Rookie quarterback in camp. We can't, we can't get much from his first two throws in his first two series as a, as a practice player. But the rookie is now in camp. All rookies are signed. Yeah. It's great that we don't have any extended holdouts, any goofy things, you know, the, the looming, and they're less um, common than they used to be. And I just said a minute ago, hey, these guys aren't doing a whole heck of a lot. Well, they're not on the field. I mean, I should have prefaced that because to Coach Sala's comments that two days is two days too many, that's a lot of classroom board work that Wilson didn't get, you know. I mean, and he's going to get every bit, to your point, that quarterback coach is going to spend every minute with Wilson. Those other guys are not going to get any attention at all. <laughs> you know, that's absolutely right. Uh, actually, how about amazing this? how little competition he has? I think we have plenty of time to get to the early down success rate stuff. So let yeah. me run this by you because I just saw it this morning before we went on the air uh, with uh, with Madden ratings. And I know you're not much of a Madden player. I'm sure your son is. Uh, and I've got, I've been going over some of these ratings with my co-host Eric Crocker on the 49ers podcast because he's a big Madden player. But I saw quarterback throwing power ratings out there. Mm. And I remember yesterday we were talking about the quarterback tiers, and you mentioned how Josh Allen is the only guy you could really look at right now and say, you know, he's in that physically like just overall talent. Overall talent, like throwing arm mode that the Patrick Mahomes is. Like there there's really nobody else in the conversation there. Madden has Josh Allen with the top 99 throw power really? rating ahead of Patrick Mahomes at 97. So I was surprised about that. And uh, it just goes to show you how physically talented of a thrower and a beast that Josh Allen is. Yeah, I, I know nothing about the rankings. I know it's a hot topic. And trust me, I keep hearing, how can Minka Fitzpatrick be the 10th safety in Madden? That's the only thing I know because you know, I hear from the Steelers. <laughs> right. I like it. I, I would have Allen number one. I mean... Uh, I, I don't know that there's a better arm slash better thrower on the run, arm talent as well as arm strength combination, and they're not the same thing that I've ever seen than Josh Allen. And I've been told by many people that when you watch him throw in person, it's almost hard to believe. I would maybe still, because this is just pure throw power, and I would have no yeah. problem giving that to Josh Allen. I would still say overall, overall arm talent, just with the angles, what he's able to do, and it's not like Patrick Mahomes can't throw it a mile as well. I would still put Patrick Mahomes ahead, or at least even, but just pure throwing power. I think maybe they got this one right, and, and Josh mm-hmm. Allen does deserve some love there. But what reminded me of this is Zach Wilson was fourth in the NFL, the rookie with a 94 wow. throwing power. The only guys ahead of him were Allen, Mahomes, Stafford, Aaron Rodgers and Baker Mayfield up there too, which is maybe a little bit iffy. So some of those things surprised me. I wouldn't put Zach Wilson ahead of guys like Justin Herbert and, you know, even Russell Wilson and um, Deshaun Watson's eighth with the 93 throwing power. His, that's not his game. He's a touch thrower. I would say Watson's arm is most, I think it's most comparable to like like Tom Brady. That's the style of thrower he is. Yeah. Yeah, there's a couple things I have problems with there. I'm glad Stafford's that high. Yeah, Wilson and, and Baker have very good arms, but I don't think they're close to Allen Mahomes level. You know, I mean, I, sh- I probably could come up with a 
Jamarcus Russell like guy that just has a cannon, but it's not, you know, it's functional. Mm-hmm. So a couple of those things kind of step out and stand out as not quite adding up. Watson certainly is one of them. Even even the, with the rookie Zach Wilson, I wouldn't put put him as the strongest arm. I think actually arm just pure arm talent wise, I'd probably put Justin Fields on top. Yeah, and I love the too. way I love the way the ball comes out. Just a really easy release with Zach Wilson, and he can do a lot with the football. Yeah. But just as a power thrower, I'd probably rank them. Lawrence is no slouch either. Fields, I think Lawrence and Lance are right there with Wilson, kind of tied, and then obviously. Um, Mac Jones is a little further back, but I was surprised to see yeah. how high Zach Wilson was. And Baker Mayfield, too, the fourth strongest arm in the league. He, he can throw it, but, I mean, I'm not putting him up there with Aaron Rodgers and uh, even Russell Wilson. No, I 100% agree. And I have to really scan the league in my head and say, you know, who really are the the best arm, ta- not arm talents, but power throwers. I mean, on his best day, Cam Newton is a power thrower. Oh, right, I mean, yeah. It's not, you know, I mean, it's been it, you know, creating miles per hour RPMs Cam's pretty good, too. How about this one? Number 10 on the list is Lamar Jackson, 92 throwing power. I was thinking him, too. And I'm glad they put him in there because a lot is made about, you know, how good of a runner he is and he needs to be a better thrower. It's not because he doesn't have arm. He just needs it's, – it's kind of the way he throws, the way he flicks it, and just precision and timing and some of mm-hmm. those things and getting the ball out quicker. Lamar Jackson still has – he could be even phenomenally phenomenally better as a quarterback as he continues to progress as a passer, and I think he will continue to do that because he's got a ton of arm strength. I mean, like, he, he can sling it. Not lacking arm strength whatsoever. Early down success rate. Let's talk about that. A lot of this has to do with the running game and stopping the run, right? And uh, so what made you want to really jump into this category from Warren Sharp? Again, this is just totally recycled from him and his book, and I've learned a lot about early down success rate in the last couple of years through Warren, and here's the logic behind it all is a lot A lot of this correlates to his betting previews. You know, like if Team A is playing Team B in Week 10 and Team A is a much better early down success rate to that point and the line's pretty even – it's a really good indicator of betting and predicting futures and things like that. And what it is, is how successful are you on offense or defense on first and second down? You know, and the logic behind it is through the history of football, and it still holds true, if you're in third and longs, you have a very low chance of converting a first down and therefore you're off the field. And, you know, so success rate on third and long in this league still is very low. And even the best offenses now don't even get the third down very often. You know, like there's a lot of analytic people that when you look at the third down conversion rate for a given game, this team was seven out of 12. A lot of people are more concerned, and I'm starting to buy into this, about the denominator than the numerator, the 12 as opposed to the seven out of 12. You got the you got the third down twelve times. That's too many. You should be only you should be under ten, or you know what I mean. Or wow, they were sixteen of eighteen on third down. Well, you're the third down too often. You're not going to continue to be sixteen of eighteen. That's fluky. Don't even get the third downs. So I thought this was interesting, you know. And, and I just looked at his chart and turned it into a spreadsheet. And you know, who were the best in the league on offense on early downs? Who were the worst? And who were the best and worst on defense? And you know, there's a couple teams out there with major discrepancies. I mean, I'll just throw it out there right off the bat. Like the one that stands out the most for being unbelievably different are the Steelers were the second worst offense on early downs. 
Washington was the third worst defense on early downs. Denver was the fourth worst defense on early downs. But respectively, they were the first, second, and fourth best defenses on early downs. You know, like massive discrepancies, total opposite ends of the spectrum, depending if they have the ball or if they're on defense. So a huge takeaway here from this and and throughout your intro, I'm thinking, okay, so it used to be early down success rate getting to third and short was run the ball well. What I'm seeing now, and especially after you breaking down those teams, those teams tried to run the football a lot on first downs and more and more teams are throwing the ball and when you look at the analytics that come with it that's what we're talking about you don't want third and short you don't want third down at all throw it on first down and go yes. move the chains then and so I think we're seeing a team and I know the Steelers were one of those and their ground game is something that they wanted to utilize and they weren't good at it last year that's why you're 31st in early down success rate yeah and uh, along those lines I mean it's easier to move the football on first and second down than it is third and especially fourth, you get more predictable coverages. You get you get less exotic blitzes. You, you have more standard uh, defenses on the field. You've probably practiced against that a little bit more. And, you know, it, 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 along those lines, I don't know if this is from Sharp or Football Outsiders or Pro Football Focus or whatever, the most efficient play in the NFL is throwing to a running back on first and ten. And you can imagine why, you know, you, you probably have 11 personnel in, you get it, you dump it to Christian McCaffrey. He gets you eight yards. Well, boom, the rest of that series, you're sitting pretty. So, you know, short controlled passing game to a running back, probably against a linebacker is a very efficient play in the NFL. It doesn't mean you can do it every time. So, yeah, I mean, throwing on early downs usually correlates to early down success rate. All right, let's pause here and get into the specifics of the best and worst on offense and defense in early Yeah, I'll be quick about it. Okay. As you mentioned, number one, Buffalo Bills, who were very good, number one in the NFL on offensive early down success rate. Number two, the Minnesota Vikings. And uh, you mentioned some teams that were were bad on offense, good on defense. The Vikings were the opposite. They were the second-best team early down success rate on offense and the third-worst on defense. I've mentioned them before in yards per play on both sides of the ball. They're the same way. Houston's another one like that that was really good on offense in yards per play, not necessarily in EDSR, and terrible on defense. And there's another team that pops up here that might surprise people a little bit. Kansas City's fourth in early down success rate, not surprising at all. I mean, But their defense was near the bottom. So they were one of the two teams that stood out as excellent on offense, really bottom of league on defense. I think the most surprising team that was really good early downs on offense was the Arizona Cardinals. But again, that might correlate with throwing the ball on first down. I would imagine, you know, a lot of horizontal quick throws, you know, pick up four or five yards. Um, If something's not there, I'm sure Kyler has generated, I'm guessing, educated guess, that Kyler's generated quite a few explosive runs on first down when the initial play isn't there, you know, so that makes some sense to me. Yeah. There's seven Seattle's eight. Um, we didn't mention green Bay and Tennessee. They're also in the top quarter of the league. 
is there anything that stood out to you with bad offenses? Is it just straight up, okay, this team's just not good? Is, is that what we're seeing with the, with the bad early down teams? Was it teams that were just trying to ram their head into a brick wall, like the Steelers, who didn't have a good ground game going, which is why we saw a first-round running back get drafted by them, then a tight end, then an offensive lineman in Pittsburgh that starts to make a lot of sense there with their early down success rates. Uh, was there any correlations you saw with the worst teams in the NFL early downs on offense? Mostly, I mean, these are going to be all the the teams you expect. You know, I mean, I don't think anyone's going to be shocked that these are the bottom eight going worst to first in the bottom eight. Jets, Steelers, Washington, Denver, Cincy, Jacksonville, Giants, Philly. I mean, they're the worst offenses in the league, and it just kind of reinforces that. But I'm going to steal this again from Sharp's book. One thing that he was really stressing in the Bengals section, you know, and I know that Bengals didn't have Joe Burrow for the whole year. But Joe Burrow, by his metrics, was like the best early down success rate quarterback in a very long time at the college level. Always ahead of the chains, killing it on early downs at LSU. But even when he was in there with the Bengals, really poor in that regard. So he was always bailing himself out, which is probably why they threw so much on third down and why he got more hits. And you know what I mean? Like their early down... Bengals' success rate wasn't great. Should we blame Burrow, who was awesome at it, or should we maybe blame the coaching staff, who is a little suspect? And what if that improves just a little bit this year? Maybe it turns into a pretty good offense. Every single team you mentioned there has a new quarterback this year, too, except for the Pittsburgh Steelers. They've still got Big Ben. Uh, the, The Cincinnati Bengals... Lost their quarterback, so you know, yes. so Burrow's back, but he wasn't there all year last year. The Broncos brought in Teddy Bridgewater. Obviously, at the top of the draft, we had the Jets and um, Washington brought in Fitzmagic. So um, Philadelphia has Jalen Hurts, who started. Uh, Wentz is gone. A couple you know, games right. at the end of the year, yeah. So. Um, Obviously, Jacksonville is the number one pick in the draft. Uh, so, there, yeah, there's some correlations there. Bad quarterback play, bad teams, bad run That's game, a, bad everything. <laughs> yeah, it's bad across the board. And two of those teams, not coincidentally, were the fighting for the Trevor Lawrence you know, sweepstakes. Jacksonville and the Jets were at the very bottom of league offense and defense. You know, I mentioned Denver, Washington, Pittsburgh, at least were elite on offense, terrible on the, on, or elite on defense, terrible on offense. Jacksonville and the Jets were horrendous. Um, Two teams, the Bears and Rams were sort of in that Denver, Washington, Pittsburgh mold, really good on defense, pretty bad on offense. So Stafford could change that too, back to you in fields. I mean, it goes back to your new quarterback conversation. Any other surprises on the defensive side of the ball? Um, obviously, with Houston, you got to be worried there because now they're going to be bad on offense because their top five quarterback is not going to be playing most likely. So, uh, yikes in Houston, um, and I don't think they did anything to get better on the defensive side of the ball really there. Um, there is Kansas City who was bad on defense. Can we talk about yeah. the, the Kansas City Chiefs? They've been in the Super Bowls two straight years. Uh, one of the better teams in the NFL. I think the odds. Uh, I think the odds are, you know, Tampa and, and Kansas City to get back. I think those are the NFC and AFC leaders as far as Vegas goes, with odds to be in the Super Bowl again this year. Frank Clark up in the air. Maybe he'll get suspended for part of the year. Should we be worried about the Kansas City Chiefs defense, or is that more of a function of teams trying to score a lot against them and maybe being a little bit more aggressive? 
Yeah, I was thinking that one too because they're one of the good teams that is bad in this metric in any phase, and it's obviously on defense. And my thoughts were, the more I've thought about it, were the Chiefs by design are kind of built on defense to play in shootouts, to defend the pass. They know with their offense that 20 points isn't going to beat them, you know, that they can win games 40 to 30 or whatever. So I wonder if you play a lot of lighter boxes, a lot of nickel, a lot of dime on early downs, begging teams to run the ball, the teams just took advantage of it. You know, okay, they picked up four or five yards on first down and, you know, got to third and one. So their their early down success rate was good against the Chiefs defense. But meanwhile, Mahomes just threw a bomb to Hill and you're still not keeping up. You know what I mean? <laughs> and and this is another thing that I thought about when you, you first brought up the subject and you were prefacing everything here with early down success rate. More teams are throwing it early. So, and we talked about this a few weeks ago with how defenses are playing and personnel groupings. We're seeing more defenses on early downs playing a personnel grouping that still needs to defend the run while also, while also defending the pass. So a lot of cover four mm. shells and some things like that. Um, and I think the Kansas City Chiefs are one of those teams where they say, okay, look, we're not going to let you beat us. Go ahead and run the ball, and then we're going to rally and tackle the football. And they have some, you know, Tyron Matthew-style players. So I think they're maybe ahead of the curve on defense where they they know what can hurt you the most, which is still the pass, and they know they can outscore you. So if you want to go ahead and run the ball, go ahead. We're still going to defend the pass on the way to the run. Yes, I think that's 100% true. I think there's a lot of times even – where some defenses, like, kind of like I mentioned with Kansas City, will bait you into running. You know, if you're going to hand it to a big slow back and pick up four yards and eat clock, we'll take it all day long. You know, you're going to have a hard time keeping up with that us in that regard. And I think this is another – a lot of these metrics are sort of chicken or egg. Like, I, we know you're terrible. We know you're going to be at the bottom. But I also think it's interesting that there are three teams that were either – that were extremes – in both areas. And I mentioned the Jets and Jacksonville were near the worst of the league on offense and defense. Well, probably not coincidentally, your Super Bowl champion Bucks were the only team that was near the top in both categories. Yeah, no, very interesting. Very interesting stuff there. Uh, as it comes to early down success rate, how teams are playing this, I think some teams might zig while others zag, and they're like, okay, you want to play the pass on early downs? We'll take those four and a half yards every time on first down. Uh, and I think it the teams we cover, the 49ers and the Steelers, are two of those teams that still want to run the ball. And, and so I think we'll see that. And maybe that makes that easier. Does this just help? Does, does the, the fact that teams are throwing more on first down, does it help? offense across the board and not really even hinder the teams that want to run the ball just because now it opens up even more because you still have the ability to run the ball. You still have the ability to throw the ball. So I wonder if teams that are zigging and if everybody starts throwing on early downs, that'll just mean the teams are trying to defend the pass on early downs and it's easier to run on early downs. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, there's a lot of stats out there. Another Warren Sharp thing. How many times, what percentage of the time when you got a light box, did you run the ball? And even though, Sharp and a lot of these analytics folks will tell you passing's more efficient, passing's more important. Don't draft the running back the first round. But when you get a six man box and you're in your base personnel, you should run the ball. You know, like I always bring back the Steelers, but the Steelers were at the bottom of the league in that. Like when they got light boxes, they ran the ball 
very seldomly. Well, that's a bad formula. You know, right. when, take what the defense gives you, I think, is the bottom line. And in and then on top of that, most quarterbacks are adept at getting into the right play. So if you have a light box, they check to the run play. But some defenses want you to do that, so they're purposely lightening the box, And but then they have other ways of bringing guys down, and so yeah. there's a chess match there. And so that's really fun to see how things change, and I think we'll see a lot more of that. We see so much motion to try to change the numbers in the box, more running quarterbacks to make it 11-on-11 11 11 instead of 10-on-11 in the running game too. So there's just so many nuances to the game of football which makes it so much fun and seeing how offensive coordinators and defensive coordinators go about this and and how things sort of change and mutate around the nfl i can't wait and so that that's where my mind goes when i see these statistics yeah that's really a brand that staley has come to mind like yes. make you think that we have a lighter box so that you do run it but we got two safeties crashing for that reason you know what i mean absolutely or, when you yeah when you know the rule, you know the offense's rules, so make them do what you want them to do. Yeah, and then you become predictable, and you know, right. And so, last thing I wanted to mention is, uh, that I should have brought up before, Buffalo was another one that had a big discrepancy. They were one on offense, all the way down to 24 on defense. Tennessee was another one we didn't mention. Three on offense, 23 on defense that probably wouldn't shock anybody you know so um yeah i think it's noteworthy early down success rates go check out warren sharp's book uh, i believe it's warrensharp.com too right is that where you find that sharp football.com i yeah. think he has two websites yeah. one of them are free stats and one of them's the pay site that you can get the book and stuff and it's sharp football on twitter so go check him out and tons yes. of fantastic work there matt always fun it's a great week camps are open i'm sure we'll see the ramp up happen next week we'll have a lot more to talk about maybe and, over the weekend yeah absolutely and yeah. he gets a football game next week how about that and football games continue that? until february love it be back monday and every day throughout the entire season right here peacock and williamson